Hello, and welcome to New Jersey is the World. Hello, everybody. Chris Gethard here. Welcome to another episode of New Jersey is the World. Today's episode focuses in on public transportation. And I have a feeling this episode's going to get a lot of reaction. It's probably our most disturbing one yet. If you have stories about any of the things you've experienced on uh, trains, buses, ferries, we didn't get much ferry representation in during our episode. Uh, we want to hear about all of it, especially if you have the, uh, the the places that we mentioned, 973-780-4660. And of course, as always, we're a bunch of guys who grew up in North Jersey. That's our perspective. I have a feeling that the public transportation that relates to Philly when it comes to Jersey is maybe even crazier than the stuff we talk about here. So we want to hear all about it. We're all about other parts of the state representing. Uh, it's just our perspective is what comes out first. And then your voicemails provide all sorts of perspective we don't have. want to hear from people who aren't dudes like us, who aren't white guys like us, and who aren't North Jersey people like us. 973-780-4660. And of course, we're always doing great stuff on the Patreon. We've been doing these live streams lately. They've been killer. So fun. All kinds of content that you can't get back there. And hey, I, I, I haven't mentioned in a while, there's a $1 tier. And with the discount, it's 10 bucks a year. So if you're like, I want to help these guys, but I don't want all this content, which I don't know why you wouldn't want it, go give us 10 bucks on the $1 tier. Who cares? Helps us keep this thing going. And of course, I want to thank some of our $10 patrons, including but not limited to Rose A. Woods, Mike Rastiello, Julian Mercury, Todd Rosenfeld, Lily Pinella, Seth Payne, Josh Goldfarb, and my buddy Nick. I'm down there by Old Asbury Park living in a, in a shack in the woods right now. Not, not quite a shack. Nick, you know what I'm talking about. Love you, buddy. Love you all. Enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody. Chris Gethard here. Welcome to another episode of Town, which is, of course, a show where three guys who have yet to reconcile all the traumas of their childhoods <laughs> get together. Talk about it under the guise of funny stories. I'm joined, as always, by Mike D. Mike D., how you doing? Good, although I am apprehensive, and I do agree. I feel like this is going to dredge up some extremely traumatic things, given how much time in my life I've spent <laughs> on public transportation. Nikki Bonaduce, how are you tonight? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, enjoying some time off, and uh, uh, probably, I think a, a lot of these memories have probably been suppressed, like a lot of the other <laughs> memories that will probably be sparked as we start talking. The, well, you can hear genuinely we're all giggling. Mike D mentioned we're, we're dealing with public transportation tonight, adventures on public transportation in New Jersey. And I feel like there's public transportation everywhere, but it felt like a very valid topic to me. And I thought about why, and I'm sitting here going, it's obvious. New Jersey is part of two major metropolitan areas. You got your New York commuters, you got your Philly commuters. This means you got NJ Transit, you got the path, you got your SEPTA trains, you got all the buses. So public transportation is just pronounced here. It's just like, I would say probably more dense, more densely packed with all those different veins when you look at a map than any place else. And it means we spend a lot of time on it. And because it's New Jersey, things get insane. We're going to talk all about it. Um, before we do, before we even get into this though, I want to talk about something that made me laugh so hard. It's this, you know, we've always encouraged um, 
everything at New Jersey in the, is the world. We want it to be participatory. I had somebody tweet at me today, hey, you going to include stuff from Cumberland County or will there be Cumberland County erasure? I wrote back, I said, be our person in Cumberland County. Call the voicemail line. Let us know stuff we need to go do or talk about or research from Cumberland County. Like, let us know. We're down. By the way, that voicemail line, 973-780-4660. Anything you hear today that you want to add to, disagree with, stories that sparks with you, leave them. You'll wind up in one of the shows here on the platform. But one of our patrons on the Patreon named Lee Ryan left a comment a few days ago that ties right into this. It blew my mind. I did not know about it. There is a thing I want everyone to look up and watch. It is called Chicken on the Tracks. It is a video played in New Jersey schools about safety around train tracks. Apparently, parents have to sign a waiver for kids to watch this because there's there's some gruesome aspects to it. You're going to watch it. You're going to laugh. Um, it's got, I would say, really good acting. Uh, a plot that you can't help but be compelled by. The whole thing's wild. At, at around one minute and 45 seconds, you can actually hear the director yell camera in the background. I forgot <laughs> to edit out him queuing up the scene to start. The whole thing's amazing. But first of all, I want to thank Lee for making me laugh. Second of all, the real thing Lee wrote about is there's a thing out there that's a little bit of a mystery on the internet, and I want our audience to be the one to finally crack it. There is apparently an earlier version of Chicken on the Tracks that was so gruesome that it got pulled and re-edited. And there's a scene where some bodies are transported. Spoiler. And apparently the earlier version of this was so disturbing that there's a generation of Jersey kids who point to it as one of the, the most traumatic things they went through in their school years. You can't find a copy of this old one anywhere. Let's get to the bottom of this. New Jersey is the world. Wotown listeners, we have to locate the original version of Chicken on the Tracks. So help us out with that. That's the first thing I want to say on the public transportation episode. Now, sorry I talked so much. Let me turn it over to you guys because we always like to start with West Orange. The thing that immediately came to my mind is when you're a West Orange kid, public transportation means you get to sneak into the city. Is the first thing that popped into my head. I don't know if you guys would agree. What do you think about as our relationship as youth to the public transportation of New Jersey? I mean, I don't think I ever snuck around. I just brazenly went onto public transportation and went into the city when, whenever I felt like it. I think once, once you understood how the system worked, it's actually a great system. And I think where, where we grew up, you had a lot of options. You could, you could take the bus into the city. You could ride your bike down to Orange to Brick <laughs> Church and get on the train. You could take a bus yeah, to North Station, and, South Orange. Yeah, you could get any, anywhere you need it pretty easily because physically, you know, Manhattan was very close to where we grew up, I and mean, you could see it from a lot of places in town easily. So I think, yeah, we we, we had great access to get into Manhattan, and and a lot of people we grew up with were scared and never did it, and would only do it in groups of twenty five. But I think that was me. I was scared. Well, you were always cool. You were always like <laughs> ahead of the curve, being cool. I was scared. I remember sneaking in. You know, you'd tell your parents you're going to a concert and they'd ask where it was and you'd say Roseland and they thought it was up at the top of Eagle Rock Avenue and technically you weren't lying, but you were going to the club, the Roseland in Manhattan. That was a good one. I remember 
the city was also, we, I think we were of an age that it was like the last gasp of New York being kind of insane. And Times Square was pretty iffy and you could buy booze at any bodega, any deli without ID. And I remember once delightfully buying a backpack full of 40s with my friend who was wearing his West Orange High School varsity jacket while we purchased them. Like there were, we were visibly shouting that we were in high school. It was no problem. So it was a good time sneaking into that city. I mean, I remember we would also... I remember fully sitting at bars in Manhattan when I was a 14-year-old <laughs> kid. I haven't even I hadn't even really fully gone through puberty yet and I remember going into sketchy bars and and actually they probably weren't even that sketchy just old man bars and you know ordering drinks and no one ever I think the first time I actually got ID'd we were at Rutgers at college because no one in in New York City ever ID'd anyone for anything until much much later on. There was famously a bar called Cha Cha's, which after the se- after the senior prom, you could apparently. I didn't go. It, I went to Seaside, but the other option was you go to this place, Cha Cha's, and it was a no questions asked, just teenagers in tuxedos going ham. Uh, Mike D, I see in the document that your first solo trip into the city actually involved a. Uh, who I, I assume we're turning into a cult figure via mentioning him constantly, the neighborhood ninja and you. <laughs> yeah. The, the first time, I mean, I, I'd been into, into the city dozens of times, but when we were, I think we were in eighth, eighth or ninth grade, the neighborhood ninja and I got this idea that we really wanted to start doing graffiti. We said, you know, what would be a really great hobby to pick up graffiti. And you know, and actually, the, the neighborhood ninja. Remember, Nick? He went and we started writing graffiti all around, and he graffitied his own name in front of his own house. <laughs> and his parents came home, and and he just didn't grasp the logic that, like, he, uh, you know, that graffitiing your own name in front of your own house would uh, you would get busted instantly. And so he did, but. We found out from other kids that if you really wanted to to be into graffiti, there was a store in Manhattan where they sold all the right tips for spray paint cans, and you could get the right kind of markers. It's like in Chinatown, off Canal or something. Like yeah, that. it was right off Canal Street. Yeah, and so we we rode our bikes down to to Brick Church and got on the train and went into Manhattan and went down to Canal Street and were completely lost. And I think. Not we were such marks that homeless people weren't just asking us for money. There was a line of people following us down the street, basically verbally mugging us as we wandered around Lower Manhattan because they just saw us like, okay, these kids are are ripe for for the picking. And I think that was the first time that I went with no no older person whatsoever to supervise us. Because that was also a time where Canal Street was like. You know, like the hide the hide the ball game, like actual grifters set up on the streets. It was like, still Chinese. It wasn't. Oh, I mean, it was still like partially Italian, and there was still Little Italy before it was completely taken over by Chinatown. Yeah, it was like the tail end of John Gotti actually hanging out in Little yeah. Italy. And I remember also a thing. Do you guys was this was it like this on your side of town? Was like you'd go. There was one kid in the neighborhood who would always go into. Chinatown. He'd sneak in 
and he'd take fireworks. Orders, it was Nick. Because you could get fireworks. <laughs> oh, Nick was our guy. But I also remember, do you guys remember this distinctly? Our guy in our neighborhood was also like, and if you guys need any baby turtles, I can hook you up with that too. Because I guess baby turtles were illegal, but you could get turtles as yeah, pets course. at Chinatown. So it was always like, if you need fireworks or baby turtles. So kids would be like, yeah, you know, if you can get me a couple M80s and this and that. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good on baby turtles, but if you could just get me some fireworks, that would well, be cool. Well, we would keep them as pets, but they would eat them. <laughs> um, I, I mean, maybe true. Maybe true. A lot of delicacies. Uh, having hung out in Chinatown a lot, there's a lot of a lot of very good and interesting food. So, Nick, you were the fireworks kid. I was the fireworks kid, and I was actually um, I was trained by my uncle. And originally, when I used to go in with my <laughs> my my parents used to let me buy fireworks off the little old Chinese ladies on the, they put a blanket on the street and you buy like, you know, a gross of bottle rockets or whatever, or you know, a brick of jumping jacks. But the first time I really learned how to buy real fireworks in like serious quantity, it was my, my uncle used to take me into the city and it was like, always had to be like the shadiest operation, but you would like walk up the street. Like, you know, where the bend in canal in um, on, on Mott Street is where it's like really narrow in Chinatown, right down the street from where yeah. Hong Fat was. Um, there was a guy standing in a doorway. And as soon as we walked up, he like knew my uncle right away because he probably sold other things. But basically came out with this entire like huge notebook and catalog. He's like, all right, what do you want? And like and in five minutes, the guy came out with like a huge, gigantic box. And I had like driven into the city with like my uncle and we like literally pulled up in front, opened the trunk and like filled the entire trunk with like fireworks while like police are walking by. This is like nineties, New York, you know, it was, and, and it was just great. And it, it was like, I think for $50, we filled the entire trunk with like fireworks and like, you know, real mortar rounds, all kinds of crazy shit. Um, but that was a, like, you're saying it's a different time in the city. Like even when we were going in and, and taking public transport in the best was always, um, you could take the bus, whatever, but always taking the patch And I, I remember like, we really didn't go above 33rd street. <laughs> like, you know, most of your time yeah. was spent, spent downtown and, uh, you could go to the city with 10 or $20 in your pocket and have a great time, eat and buy a record and see cool shit. And, you know, and then, and make it home. So I think everybody can see when you grew up in North Jersey, you do have this relationship where you, you're going into the city Young for some of us were sneaking in. Mike D was cool enough to go. Nick had actual uh, accomplices in his older family training him on how to procure illegal goods. But it's a place where you could go and kind of be lawless, and you kind of had to brave getting there yourself. And that was the uh, that was the public transportation. And our town didn't even have its own train. We had to travel to it. So you can imagine for the for the kids who lived down the block from a station, what's going on now? Perfect segue, Nick, because. When we get a little older, like you say, <laughs> we're not sneaking around anymore. This is when we start taking the path train. I feel like, at least in my experience, in West Orange, a lot of times what we do, we drive to Harrison, park our cars there, yeah. take the train in. I'm going to go ahead and say that the path train, <laughs> I will say that in my experience <laughs> on it, I saw crazier things on the path train than I saw I lived in New York City for 16 years and I still think the craziest things I've ever seen were on the path train. The path train can be wild. If if you're listening and you don't know, it's it's basically a subway that has what five or six stops in Manhattan and then extends out and drops you off in a few years. 23rd, 23rd, yeah. 14th, 9th, Christopher, Hoboken, 
yeah, World Journal Trade Square. Exchange Place, uh, journals, Grove, Grove Street, Street Journal Grove Square, Street. Harrison, Newark, and the line. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a very small system, but it, it's it gets Jersey people where they're going. And I mean, Mike D, you lived in Jersey City for a while, so I imagine you were on it like every day. Would you agree that it could be like a real Wild West environment there? Oh, I think beyond it even being a Wild West environment too is there's all the you know the crufty grime slice of life stuff on the path that you see all over New York or any other big city. But the path because it was connected to all these parts of New Jersey has a level of weirdness that I don't think I've experienced riding any other public transportation. You have all that <laughs> danger. But then I've seen things on the path that are so strange that if they were not witnessed by other people, I would think that I was actually having a true hallucination. Yeah. I mean, I've seen not once, but twice. And I hate that I'm laughing at this. It's I'm not laughing because I think this is funny. I'm laughing because I, I find okay. this so overwhelmingly insane. Not once, but two different times did I see people pick fistfights with mentally challenged people on the path train. Twice I saw that. Once was some coked up Hoboken guy in a suit who a guy, another guy was holding a bike and when the chain shifted, the bike hit his leg and he flipped out on this guy. And another was this dude who was clearly, because I'll say this too. The path chain in general was crazy, but when we grew up going to Harrison, when you transferred from Journal Square and it was the middle of the night, whoever Sweet. was left on that train going to Harrison in Newark, all you knew there's going to, there's going to be some wackadoos here, man. And one was in that situation. And I watched a guy just relentlessly picking on this dude who visibly there was something going on. And the dude, I'll never forget this guy's like messing with him and making fun of him. And the guy just stands up and, and the, and the aggressive dude goes, what are you going to do? And this dude, God bless him. He just looks at him and he goes, sir, I will vomit all over you. <laughs> and it ended everything. And then he just kept yelling, I will vomit on you, sir. Sir, I will vomit on you. And the dude backed down. But I saw it twice. The Hoboken guy. The, the path train coked out Hoboken dude is a particularly vile he, New Jersey truck, he, The coked out Hoboken guy also figures into one of my strangest path stories of all time. So and <laughs> let me just set the scene that this is a completely everything completely normal day it's 7 30 or so on a saturday evening warm out early summer i'm coming back on the path train from harrison to go to world trade center and and head back home in brooklyn so everything on the train is very normal and there is a guy across from me who is you know hoboken stereotype izod shirt khaki shorts loafers the, the whole thing and I'm minding my own business, <clears throat> as I always do on public transportation. I have headphones on, and the, the guy's like, hey, buddy, hey, buddy. And I'm like, what? So I take off my headphones, and he's like, look, look at this, look at this. And we're sitting at the end of the car, and he's pointing to look through the back window into the next car. So I'm like, I'm thinking, like, what could this possibly be? So I look in there, and there's a guy 
pacing up and down the other path car with a spear gun. And when I say a spear gun, I mean from a James Bond movie, the kind of thing that you see scuba divers have. He has a... Like a thing to catch a whale? I, smaller than that, yeah, but you, like, know, you uh, see it in, in a James yeah, Bond like, movie where uh, he's underwater and he shoots underwater. a spear, but a real spear gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the guy's pacing around, he's like... What do you think we should do? I'm like, I think we should do nothing. I think we should we should ignore him and not make eye contact because he's in a separate car so we can see him, but he can't really do anything. And then he just stands and turns around and squares up and shoots a spear from one end of the path train car to the other. And in my mind, like I, I still to this day, the sequence of events that must have happened. One, where do you even get a spear gun anywhere near New Jersey? Two, why do you carry it on the path? And three, how do you just walk around and shoot this thing? I, I, I just, I could see if he had a gun and started shooting it, that would make sense. But a spear gun is a real weird, obscure thing to have. I still can't. And there, there never seemed to be any law enforcement anywhere on, on the, the path, path train. Like, didn't matter what time of day you were riding the path. There was never cops at the like at the train stations never. or. And would you? I, I don't know if I'm wrong or if this is just. Journal Square. There were never any cops, and there were never any fucking garbage cans. Yeah, well, they when you're down on, on the platforms, there were no garbage cans. They took the garbage cans away after the first World Trade Center bombing. Oh, so ninety something, yeah. Right under yeah. The World Trade so that's Center. why they'd said, you know, what's better. We'd rather have litter than <laughs> than bombs. We'd rather so, feed the rat population that that's living sense. along the tracks there. I was wondering, one day I was down there, I had to throw something out. I was like, how is this station functioning with no trash cans? And that makes sense that they, I mean, okay, okay, that makes sense. But you're right, no cops. Like in, in, in New York on the subway, I mean, the New York subway, don't get me wrong. Like I saw, I saw a masturbator at 2 p.m. on the F train like two years ago. Like that shit still happens. But you will also see cops walk through. You'll pull into a station and there will be transit authorities who duck their heads in and see the path. I never felt like that was coming. Yeah. I, I felt like when I got on that train, it was on me yeah. to deal with what happened. Until the conductors just locked themselves in their little safety booth that nobody could get into. And just, you know, they knew better than to come out and say anything to anybody. They would never interfere. Another time, and it plays directly to the no authority and to Nick, what you were saying about the conductors just locking themselves in. <laughs> Same thing. I'm on the train. It's a little bit later at night. I'm coming from, from Newark or Harrison back to World Trade. And I sit down in my seat and it's dark out. And I look out the window and directly on the other side of the window, I mean, three inches away, are the eyes of a young man directly facing my eyes. <laughs> and there is a young teenage man, boy, clinging yep. to the outside of the train. And I mean, our eyes are three inches away directly through the window. And I'm staring at him and he's staring at me. And as the train pulls out of the station and starts going faster, his eyes are getting wider and wider. And then he just flies off into the night. And I'm like, oh my God, he, he's got to be dead. So I press the, there's a, 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 an emergency call button in every car that I imagine is theoretically supposed to connect you to the police or some type of authority. So I press the button and it's like, hello, hello. Um, and I say, I'm on the train that just pulled out of Harrison. I think a kid flew off the back of the train onto the tracks. And the answer I get is, oh, that again? <laughs> that was what the person <laughs> oh who answers it, it says to me. Did we, I mean, it, 
playing into that was did we have somebody from our school that died on the top of a train we did got like electrocuted or hit something like that. i think that. he was riding on top of a train and, and got struck yeah, and, got, yeah. And, and got struck and was killed yep People used to do that, hang on the outside for kicks or to catch a free ride to the next station. Or I remember st- a lot of people would be like, stand in between the cars. Yeah, smoke cigarettes. Smoke cigarettes, smoke pot in between the cars. And you look back and go, oh man, that was like, none of that was safe. <laughs> uh, speaking of unsafe, I have a good one. I once drove to Harrison and I'm sure you guys remember, do you remember across the street from the station, there was that pay lot, um, yeah. It was like a big brick wall with a gap yeah, in it. Yeah, it's where the, the soccer stadium is now. It's where the Red, yeah, the Red yeah. Bull Stadium is there now. And that's exactly, yeah. exactly. And I used to go in there. I think it was like ten bucks, which was more expensive than the the metered parking, but felt a little safer. Harrison's like a fine town, but definitely a rough around the edges environment down by the train station. Well, that, yeah, that whole area is different now. Jesus. Yeah. I remember when they started putting condos up right near that station and I was like, wow, it's really spreading from Jersey city. huh?" I did that parking garage right next to uh, the Harrison Pat station. And uh, that makes sense. Is that little diner still right there? No, no? Uh, I don't know. Probably Uh, not. That's a shame. So I pull into that pay lot one day and it was always just some guy in there taking your money. It wasn't a sophisticated thing. And I pull in and the guy wasn't at the booth. There were a bunch of cars there. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'll pay him when I get back or I just got free parking for the day, whichever it is. And I get back and my car's gone. <gasps> Every oh. car's gone. They towed the whole lot. Which oh I was like, what? It's a parking sh- place. The attendant wasn't here, man. What the fuck oh is this? God. So I was in college, I remember, because I was with one of my roommates and I called the town and they say, yeah, your car got towed. And they go, here's where it is. And I'm like, all right. I don't even remember back then how you figured out how far away things were, how to get there. You know, there was no map. They must have told me on the phone how to walk there. And it was far, man. It was like a mile. (laughs) You had to go under the tracks, walk along this like desolate stretch where there was just like closed down warehouses. And it's the middle of the night. And then they say the words that terrified me to my core. They go, uh, also, just so you know, it's cash only. <laughs> Great. I'm like, what? I'm like, I can't pay my card when I get there. They're like, no, you got to bring cash. And it was like over a hundred bucks. So I'm oh, sitting yeah. here going, if I was, if I was like a robber or looking for drug money, I would be scouting this exact route. If this is where you have to walk and everyone is carrying cash, like, Again, Harrison, I got nothing against the town, like good working class town. But like if you're walking down some desolate blocks under the train tracks, like someone could jump out at you. And in a very, very late 90s move, my buddy and I, we went to a deli and we got the money out of the cash machine and we bought two bottles. Do you remember that drink Orbitz, that disgusting drink that had things floating floating in it? it? Yeah. If you remember that, that bottle had a pretty long neck. So we bought two Orbitz and never drank them. We were just carrying them as clubs (laughs) and we, uh, we made it to get, get to my car, but I, I never forgot. That's, that's honestly, I would say one of the times where I just assumed I was about to get Seriously I was, hurt. I was always more afraid to park in that lot because it always seemed like when you came out of the city late at night, I was always more terrified to actually have to cross the street and go into a dark lot that had like no lights and, and often the attendant wasn't there after a certain time. So I used to pay like the meter on the street and I'd always go down there with quarters 
And I think you could, you could put in, it was like, they were weird meters. You could put like fucking four or five hours on them. You know, I think people yeah. who used to commute, like would go there and, you know, and then the the chain, I think the chain, when I started going in, it was still 75 cents to get on the path chain. I remember, I remember when it went up to a buck 50, but I always remember it being a dollar, like always around a dollar. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I remember. I, I feel like I remember going up to a dollar. Who knows? Oh, maybe. Who knows? Probably. Who knows? You don't know. You're a kid. A bargain, even now, a dollar fifty. I used to park when I had the Volvo. I used to park on the street there. And just so nobody would break into my car, I would leave the windows open. And nobody ever went in my fucking car. Yeah. Like, you know. <laughs> like, that, it was that type of town of yeah. like, I'll leave the windows open so they can go and see I have nothing. And then I don't have to pay for the new window. Like, that's, just, that's a very apt description of what that was like. You just hope you don't find somebody in your car afterwards. That's all. Yeah. It's, somebody's defecated in there. Now, Mike D, I, I see the last thing we have on the path train section of the document is that you once attended a party on the path train. I accidentally attended a party. Um, <laughs> the way that. The way that it works, depending if you're going uptown to Manhattan or downtown to World Trade, you go to the Journal Square station and you switch trains because the line splits there. So I go to switch trains and I'm waiting at Journal Square. And as the train's coming into the station, I see all these strange flashing lights from inside the train. I think that's very strange. I've, I've never seen lights like this on the path. The train pulls into the station the doors open, and inside the car, there's a full-blown rave happening. They have lights attached to the poles that you hang on to. They have a DJ. There's 50 or 60 people in there partying, smoking, drinking, and a lot of other people start running to get on cars further down that are normal, but I immediately got on that car because I said, if I'm going to have to ride the path, I might as well, you know, back into the city, I might as well enjoy myself and join this party. But they, they had a full-blown great party set up in the train but i think like we keep saying you could do that you could set up a nightclub in a path train car and no one would bat an eye or even challenge you in any way that you couldn't do this probably like if you had if you knew like a conductor or something it's probably like a flat rate fee or something if you pay uh, this guy you get so many hours on the path train to have your own exclusive party car there was definitely a look the other way <laughs> payment given at the beginning of that night right yeah it's hudson county what do you expect now, there's two places that we have to talk about that for anyone who commutes from New Jersey, be it for work, for pleasure, I think it is fair to say that a defining aspect of why New Jersey people are known to sort of have their guard up and maybe snap at you, have a short leash and maybe mouth off, I really think a lot of this is affected by the fact that we are forced <laughs> to commute to Penn Station and Port Authority. <sighs> Two of the worst places left in Manhattan by far. I would say Port Authority is actually the number yeah. one place that did not get cleaned up at the end of the 90s. It's the same. It's horrible. It's still the same. Port Authority is, and let's just be clear, we're talking about the Port Authority bus terminal, not to disparage the, <laughs> the rest of the Port Authority system, which is actually fairly functional. The Port Authority bus terminal... People use the term hell on earth a lot, very loosely. The Port Authority is hell on earth. There is no <laughs> worse place that I can think of in the United States than the Port Authority bus terminal. I, I'm, I would love so to hear other suggestions. You're saying not even in New York City, in the United States. You're saying like the, the most burned down sections of Detroit that like 
they got on on Devil's Night. The the I think on a Camden. regular a regular operational basis, it's just terrible. It's terrible from commuting. It's, it's terrible really the people bad. that uh, pass through there. So imagine every single suburb in New Jersey has a bus line, a commuter bus ride, bringing those people from all these different terrible places to come work in the city. And then this is the uh, the bottleneck point of where everybody comes through because those people, a lot of those people don't take the train because it's a pain in the ass you have to go to the train station park or you go to the end of your street and jump on a fucking Lakeland yeah. bus or whatever. And then you're everybody's in there and everybody's just jerks because they're from New Jersey first. And then they're a jerk because you got to be on this with everybody else in the morning. And somebody's always doing something fucking irritating. And then you come to that terrible place and you have to get out of there and go to wherever you're going. It is part of why we are who we are. I know it's also, I remember when I was a kid, there could not be, and I, I imagine with the internet, it's a little easier. When you're in Port Authority trying to find out like which bus line gets you back Ugh. where you want to go and how to find the, the actual Good terminal, luck. it was like, a, from what I remember, it was almost like a wall, like a tower yeah. of just of random numbers and letters yeah. and tears, and it was impossible to decipher. And I remember once being in the city with my brother, I forget who else was with us, and we were looking at that tier just slack-jawed, unable to figure out what got us back to West Orange. And- a classic like New York flim flam artist ran up to us and was like, where are you going? And we're like, West Orange, Mississippi Avenue. And he's like, all right, you want this one and that one? And clearly had it memorized. And he's like, all right, give me some change, man. I just provided you a service. And we weren't expecting it, you know? So I'm like, all right, he did help us out. And I probably like 16 at this time, I hand him my change and I watch him take all the pennies out and he just starts flinging them at me. And I just turned and ran away as this guy was just pelting me with pennies in the middle of Port Authority. This ain't exactly Grand Central Station where all the Connecticut and Westchester people have it. Nah, so good. this is Jersey riffraff. Well, in Grand Central and Station- Port Authority bums. Grand Central Station also isn't covered with an inch and a half of physical Ugh. filth. If you were to run your at hand- all times. If you, you can run your hand- and I'm embarrassed to admit I've actually done this out of curiosity. If you run your hand down the outside of Port Authority, your hand will be stained for several days, no matter how many times you actually wash your hands. It's, it's all the exhaust it coming out of Lincoln Tunnel. Yeah, I mean, it's basically the Lincoln <laughs> Tunnel points directly at Port Authority. So you have all those fumes just directly spraying onto the Port Authority building. It's insane. Now, I want to come back to Port Authority because there is a defining story that I hold close to my heart <laughs> that Mike D will tell. Ugh. We'll come back to that when we end this section of the show because I, I mentioned Port Authority and Penn Station. Let's be clear. Penn Station's slightly better than Port Authority, but not by much. I mean, no. and they to be fair, they just opened the brand new section under the big post office there on 8th Ave, and I think it's much nicer, and I think they're going to transition a lot of stuff over there. But the one we have grown up with that has existed until honestly the past few months... Penn Station's pretty nuts too, man. Pretty yeah, nuts. Yeah, that whole area around there was always just like riddled with riffraff and, and everything else, you know? Well, it was the stre it was that walk. I feel like that walk up 8th Avenue from Penn Station to Port Authority was one of the last kind of dicey stretches. Yeah, that's great. Of man, it's that and the garment district at night. Oh, yeah, like when it the, actually was the garment district. When you're yeah, when I feel like when you're in the areas of Manhattan that you find yourself in socially. 
on a regular basis. Those were the two. Um, Penn Station was just surrounded by pornography stores. Again, it, just a dehumanizing place. I, I remember once being there and I was young and a woman who was not, not in good physical health or shape and clearly struggled with any number of addictions sprinted out of the darkness at me wearing just like beat up lingerie, like thigh highs, just like bad lingerie. Time, and just, little boy. Re- I mean, when I say she grabbed my <laughs> penis, I mean, she grabbed my penis, full handful of penis in the middle of Penn Station. And it was not, it was like 11 at night, like not late, late at night. And she just ran up. What do you want? What can I, I was like, no, like, no, like actually screaming, actually screaming. Penn Station's bad. I mean, <laughs> I, I commuted through Penn Station for many, many, many years. And a number of things I've seen there are just in, absolutely incredible. If you, if you were in the basement of Penn Station, there is a, a TGI Friday's. Which, oh which if, if you are, I've seen people actually get mugged in the restaurant while eating dinner. I am not making this up. And I've seen it happen more than one times. I've seen people come in it, while people are eating their, you know, their onion rings and say, give me your wallet. And, sauce. and they just took, the, you know, took somebody's wallet as they were sitting and, and eating dinner and no one, no staff, no one else would help them. Everyone else would go about their business. And, and in that place is, is brutal. It's a windowless restaurant in the basement is, of Penn station. <laughs> Think of like, God help you. If you were like a tourist coming from some uh, other part of the world and you're like encountered this terrible transit hub and you're like, Oh, uh, like that. And then, uh, you know, I was, it's weird. Like in London, they always warn you about pickpockets and I'm sure that people probably made a career out of operating in, you know, in poor authority there. Like, you know, just, just robbing people and, and pickpocketing and stuff. 100%. And, and to people's behavior to like, even the other commuters behavior, like yeah, I defensive. remember this sad moment of, cause especially when I was in New Brunswick, all three of us know that train from New Brunswick to New York, it's like 40 minutes. It gets you right there. You're a college kid. Nobody's keeping their eye on you. For me, it was when I started doing comedy. When I discovered comedy in the city, I was on that train all the time. I think I can honestly say that when I fell into my major, major depression issues in my, in my late teens, early twenties, a lot of it was because I was spending just an ill-advised amount of time in the New Brunswick train station and Penn station. Yeah, and I remember, I remember seeing, you know, you see the people laying down waiting for their trains who just lay on the floor with their head on their backpack. And you're just like, you sorry, son of a bitch. I'll never be that yeah, until that, that night when you're waiting for that 1am train and it's the last one and it's delayed and you wake up when they call the train announcement uh, and you're sitting on the floor and you go, I am now one of those people. I'm now a sit on the floor and sleep at Penn station person. People used to also... <laughs> I have fond memories of people, the, the collective anger of commuters when something goes wrong at Penn Station is oh. incredible. <laughs> and people used to, <laughs> so they used to have, they, they got rid of this a, a while back and now it's digital, but they used to have a Solari board that would you know, say, okay, train to Providence, and the tiles would so flip over. I was so mad when they got rid Me of that. Me too, I love those. I was really sad when um, they got rid of that. They yeah. actually, they have one 
Fun fact, it's probably at the, in the TWA like Hotel, the Aero Saarinen Hotel at JFK Airport, they have one there that's, oh, that's quite awesome. beautiful. Um, but when people would sit under the Solari board waiting for their trains, and this is hundreds and hundreds of people, commuters, people going on trips, and when the red sign would come up that, say, a train was delayed or canceled, people would heckle it and throw things at the board. So you, there would be <laughs> half-eaten hamburgers, French fries, Rage. sodas, and just throwing it at a at a in, you know an inhuman board that has nothing to do with this thing. And that was a pretty common occurrence. It used to crack me up every time. Like, you just bought that hamburger, man. Why are you going to throw it at the board? Now you're the one who I suffers. <laughs> I heard they had, the reason they had to replace it, it was so jammed up with old corn syrup and french fries that they had to go digital. It was so fucked up. But dude, Mike T, even when it went well, even when it was running on time, like when things went wrong, it, it, it was chaos. But one of my least favorite feelings in the world is when you're standing in Penn Station and all of a sudden it's like, you know, Northeast Corridor Track 4 and people take off running, oh yeah, shoving each other. It's like the fucking who in Cincinnati, man. You feel like you're going to get crushed to death. And, and it's like nine times out of 10, you get a seat. Why are we treating each other this way? You just see people run, like, and people who are like, you Bunch know, self absorbed like, assholes. That's why. But I was also going to say, like, people were going on to lives where they're like, you know, parents in their 40s and 50s, like, people with dignified lives, man. And, and honestly, like, kicking kicking like kick like you'll see like a 13 year old girl dragging a big suitcase beyond her and someone will just like kick that suitcase to get ahead of her to go to see and you're like why why do we allow ourselves to be this and that's who we are on these trains and they're a major part of our lives i personally only had one really big peeve like you can do whatever you want on the train like you know explains the drinking as soon as you get out of work you you know you get a beer and you get on the train everybody's drinking it's like acceptable nobody says anything but if anyone stuck their foot in the back of my fucking seat underneath the where the crack is that used to drive me fucking crazy and i can't tell you i probably almost been in like three or four different altercations with people on the train for that reason alone. But that's just a, sorry, it's a side story. And we haven't even touched on the Penn Station bathroom. I was just oh, going to say the New York, Pe- the only thing worse than the New York Penn Station bathroom uh, is the Newark Penn Station bathroom. It's the truth. And it's not a joke. It's yeah, not it's like a joke. common like cruising places for all that kind of behavior. And there's mentally ill people in there. Oh, there's drug yeah. addicts in there. It's visible. It's pronounced. There's people hooking up in there. Yeah, you got to have you know, like if you're going to go in there and like you were you know you were having an emergency or something, you're going to have a blowout. You better have somebody like watching your back. It's it's <laughs> it's not. But seriously, it's not far. There's off. like no doors on them either. You know, so it was like you know. Yeah. Oh, the infamous taking a shit on a stall with no door in a major transit hub in the most bustling city in North America. Yes, absolutely. Except maybe Ugh. Mexico City. I might be wrong on that. Now, Mike, you brought up the bathrooms. What led to you bringing that up? <laughs> One, if you're if you're commuting, if you're coming off a train into Manhattan late at night, sometimes you are forced to use that bathroom because you know once you leave Penn Station. I mean, one of the things I found in decades living in New York City and New Jersey is it's impossible to find the public bathroom 
after a certain point at night and not even that late. So you might be, you know, okay, you're stealing yourself. I have to use the Penn station bathroom. Otherwise I'm going to have an accident. And there was a period of time that I remember where for some reason the, so the, the men's bathroom there has no door. You open it and go around this corner and there's, there's 20 or 30 urinals on each side of the wall and then stalls in the back. And for a period of time, all the urinals were covered with garbage bags that were taped onto them. I remember this and it went on years for ever. <laughs> I think actual, like a two year period where every urinal had plastic. And on. usually if something has plastic taped over in a public space, that's the universal symbol for out of order, does not work. Not at the Penn Station yes. bathroom. That's the universal symbol for let me just urinate directly onto a garbage bag on the wall. So the entire bathroom was just flooded with urine for years. It w- I mean, you would literally Always. need like hunter boots, like you were an English lord, to walk through the piss yeah. to get to the back of the bathroom. <laughs> Permanent bum piss smell. Oh my God, it was insane. It would be two inches and, deep. And let's be clear too. People standing around in there at all hours. All time. You're all not time. even talking about going no. into a pool of piss and being like, oh man, you're no. talking about legit piss covered floor with just people watching you, just watching you like hawks. Yeah. Who knows for what purpose? Yeah. They're probably jerking off. <laughs> That's very likely. Well, that's, you, I guarantee the, you. The most, the, one of, I want to say my favorite things, but it's actually very sad, but it's, it's a crazy story (laughs) is so the, the architect Louis Kahn, who's a really, really famous, super well-known architect, built buildings all over the place, was building into the mid to late seventies, absolutely wonderful, talented designer. And he cared a lot about the spirituality of space, about light and how, how people interacted with spaces and how they felt when they were in there. And he died in the Penn station bathroom to me that I cannot think of a worse way for that man who cared so much about how spaces. I wonder if they put that on his tombstone. He died in there. Creator, designer, architect who died in the bathroom. I always want to go in there and secretly put up like a sad plaque to remind people of this. Imagine if his his spirits trapped there forever. That's exactly what I'm thinking. It, you're hell on earth for eternity Dude, the, with the rest of the lost souls spends his life trying to make I should have the, designed these bathrooms better <laughs> now I want to have a little palate cleanser of um, non-bathroom talk teaser for what's yeah. to come for Mike D's other story that we must tell I have one I want to tell I have one Mike D you put on the outline I have to ask about I actually think one of the most bizarre nights of my life it, it's like a scene I don't even want to say from a movie. It's like one of these scenes that I think about where I go, when I think about where my head was at, at this time and this incident, <laughs> it was like an actual vis- visual representation of, of my soul. Cause as I, me- I mentioned, I've never hidden the fact that I had like real major depression issues, scary depression issues where people were worried about me. It was bad. It was bad. And a lot of it was when I was spending a lot of time going back and forth to New York. And there was one night where I was running around doing some comedy and then grabbing a couple drinks with my comedy friends and I went to catch that, whatever the last Northeast Corridor train is, 130 one, maybe. Yeah, 145, one, something 140, like that. something <laughs> yeah. like that. And it was delayed and it was bad and every train was delayed. I mean, the Penn Station was packed out. 
So I went back and grabbed another couple of drinks with my friends. I'm going, I'm going to check again. If the trains aren't there, if not, I might need to crash one of you guys. Just skip my class at Rutgers tomorrow. They're like, yeah, whatever. So I go back. Trains are running again. So I go, okay, I'll get back to New Brunswick. And it turns out the reason every train was delayed was because the Meadowlands, and not, not the sports complex, the actual ecosystem known as the Meadowlands was on fire. Oh, yeah. That the train and all those trains go through Secaucus, you know, they yeah. all cut through Secaucus. That whole area goes right. You are in the, those trains. Yeah, you're driving through the, like the marshlands there. It's the kind of on the side. Yeah. Like there's not much to look at, but when you're on those trains, I mean, it's actually, and you know, there's like abandoned buildings and, and all sorts of stuff, but you're like, I'm in this middle of this weird, we're driving through there at like two forty-five in the morning <laughs> and it was just smoldering red like Mordor and I'll never forget going back to New Brunswick this town where I felt just so profoundly lonely and fucked up every day and leaving New York City behind where my dreams were uh, being pursued it's me like I have to drive through like when I'm saying a literal wall of fire I mean I took a train through an actual wall of fire (laughs) to get back to a city that I hated. And it was just, it was what it was. Now, Mighty, you wrote something here that, you know, we always write a ton of stuff and then have to jump through for time, but I need to know what is the secret of Terminal 23? Oh, this is interesting. So I, I won't bore everyone with my job, but I'm, I'm basically, I'm like Peggy Olson. I, I work in advertising and for for a, a period of time, I did a lot of work with with Nike, and w- this doesn't exist anymore. But at the time, underneath Penn Station, Nike had a secret space called Terminal Twenty Three. That was it, it's it, it's it was so cool. So it was <clears throat> it was a massive underground space that had a full blown. NBA quality basketball court. It had, you know, professional locker rooms. It had a barber shop. It had a a lounge and a hangout area. And it was just right underneath Penn Station. It was actually connected to the Pennsylvania Hotel. All those things are connected underground by, by tunnels. And there was this space and it was where, you know, Mellow and all these other players would come and hang out there because nobody would knew right, it was there. MSG is right. The MSG is right upstairs, and, oh, and it was so cool. Amazing. So I got to spend a significant amount of time hanging out at this secret basketball court underneath, you know, the transit hub for for my job. And then I think a lot of people know about it now, but at the time it was really, really, you know, it was pretty quiet and, and you know, you couldn't just go into it. You had to be invited because there were all these people there, but it was really neat. And so there are things like that, that I know exist under different, different you know transit spaces in new york grand central has has a famous one that i think a lot of people know about but there's all these different different hidden spaces and you know under these places i feel like we're getting a real fundamental look at the because you and i have been really really tight friends since we were kids especially since we were at Rutgers. i feel like that's when you and i got really tight but your stories tonight are all about like oh i found a secret party on the path train i used to hang out at a nike sponsored chamber with carmelo anthony underneath msg and i'm like i drove through a pit of fire i drove through a pit of fire i'm an optimist that being said 
<laughs> that being said, Mike D, I'm really, what I'm doing is setting you up because when I think about what it's like to be a New Jersey kid commuting back and forth, and we talked so much about Port Authority tonight. I got I to gotta ask you if you can tell your Port Authority story that I've long loved. I think enough time has passed that I can overcome the actual trauma of this event and, and tell this story. A, a bunch of us were at a, at a show in Manhattan. I remember the show was at Irving Plaza, but I can't remember the band. I think it was Bad Religion, but I'm not sure. This is very early 90s, probably 91, 92. A whole bunch of our crew was there. We see the show. We, we go back to Port Authority to wait for our bus. And as we're going there, my stomach is extremely upset. I think probably because like we've mentioned, you were allowed as a 14 year old to purchase alcohol at venues in New York. Um, yeah. I probably ate a bunch of, of crappy food. So we get to Port Authority and we're waiting for the bus. And I say to our crew, all right, I, I have to, to find the bathroom. This is, this is an emergency. And everyone's like, you sure you can't? I'm like, I can't hold it. Like, it's, it's not possible. Like, I'll have an accident. <laughs> like, and what by accident, I mean, I will shit my pants. And I find the bathroom, and we talked about the Penn Station bathroom, which is awful. The part, Port Authority bathrooms, in some ways, are more awful. So they're less awful because they're smaller, but they're more awful because they are pitch black, or at least they were at the time. There is, there, there's one, one bare light bulb that works in there. So I go into the, the bathroom, and like every other public bathroom in New York, and I still don't understand this, like Nick said earlier, there are no doors on the stall. So I sit on the... On, and they don't want people having sex in there. They don't realize people have sex in there. I know. They also don't realize that 14-year-old kids might, might be having gastrointestinal distress. Oh. So... Buckshot City. I'm already beyond... Like, I'm actually, like, sweating with anxiety. And so, of course, I don't want to sit on a Port Authority toilet because I'm Italian and I'm from New Jersey and I skeeve everything. But I just bite the bullet and I do it. And I'm feeling awful. And the next thing, a man walks into the bathroom. And he stands at the sink right in front of me where I'm sitting on this toilet with an open stall door. (laughs) And he opens his coat and he takes out a small half-pint bottle of whiskey and a pair of pliers. And he puts them on the sink in front of him. And my immediate thought is, oh, my God, like, he he's going to torture and murder me. This is not wouldn't be <laughs> wouldn't be strange. This is how it starts. I've seen every movie. This is how, you know, he's methodical. He's well prepared. He's going to murder me. So I'm like trying to end what I have to do. And I just can't at this point. Like, I, you know, the, the chance to just <laughs> shit myself and run out with shit trailing <laughs> or wait to see what happens. So I'm sitting there with anxiety. The guy takes a long swig of whiskey. He holds the pliers over the sink. He pours whiskey onto the pliers. Then he takes the plier, reaches into his own mouth, twists a tooth, which makes the most insane oh. cracking sound that I've ever heard. Pull, pulls his own tooth out and drops it down the drain. Then, this is great. So then he takes it again and he reaches on the other side of his mouth, twist, crack, pull, and pulls out a second uh. tooth 
and drops it down the drain. At this point, oh, I'm done. I literally do a half wipe, pull up my pants, don't even wash my hands, and run out of there. And, and, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this. I did not use another public restroom for over a decade. That was it for me. I was in my mid-20s the next time that I could work up the nerve to use a public restroom wow. after that. Insane. I also recall you vomiting into the, like, you know those figurines that they had? Like the people, like they were... <laughs> commuting and there's one with like a girl has a little like flower basket or something like yeah. the vomiting into that basket as we were like going to Be, board uh, bus. because of that incident no this was like a separate incident mike 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 d always had like some sort of terrible like stomach ailment or would be vomiting from whatever just who knows what you know he was just that guy like oh you need to go to the bathroom and there's no bathroom or he's gonna vomit just randomly walking down the street and whatever it hit it hits you when you got in there and you're like Bleh! like i think that was like the one time we were like yelled at by the cops like for, at least i made it for to that. the to the statue yeah, you bucket. made it to the little basket <laughs> it's like a little flower basket <laughs> now i do want to ask because I've I've been consistently fascinated in talking to you guys because we like to mess around, tell stories, be idiots, and it's a lot of fun. And I love that. And and first of all, I will say, I want to kind of wrap it up by saying, I bet there's a lot of people who, when they saw the topic for this one was public transportation, went, how many stories are there really about that? I think we have proven definitively tonight. New Jersey. And everybody probably who travels on it has terrible stories of their own. So and New Jersey call, call people's in and relationships. Tell us your terrible stories. <laughs> the more I think about it, honestly, the more I've thought about it over the years, the more I go, man, I would have been a very, very different person if I didn't spend so much time stressed out in Penn Station, scared on the path trains. Like it's for real. But I want to think less about the the other topics and because Nick consistently, I feel like you're the one who often has the craziest stories, but you also have the most insight <laughs> in so many ways. And I thought it might be worth asking you. And I don't know if, if you've worked jobs with transportation, but you hear so much oh, now yeah. about like the gateway tunnel is a huge thing. And they're going, yeah, these NJ transit troubles, tunnels are really in oh, trouble. Yeah. Why can't they're we like get money apart and, and everything? And well, that's what a, I wanted to ask. Like, is this yeah. even a safe system at this point? I mean, it is, it's, it's, um, I think, uh, the thing with the tunnels is there's always like one out of service because they have to periodically do the regular maintenance. But then on top of that, there's like this, they're like doing damage control all the time. And that's why they're pushing for this gateway tunnel. And like, they like, I believe they started the entrance. Like it was like a big to do. And then Christy put the kibosh on that because, uh, the split wasn't fair for Jersey and poor authority is just, you know, the poor authority, a giant, terrible, evil organization. And, um, and, uh, yeah, no, I've, I've done, uh, yeah, but that, that was like a, that was like a big thing for a long time, but I've also worked on the path train on the, um, bridges over there doing rail replacement. I've, I've been in weird places at weird time over the Hackensack river bridge, like at like two o'clock in the morning and sleeping alongside the track while trains are going by and while they're actually, going, Oh they yeah. Because they'll, the what they'll, they'll do is they'll just, there? they'll, they'll run one direction of the train while you're replacing the tracks on the other side. So the thing with the path train, especially is that there's the third rail and like what I do is I, we have to have like specific measurements and there's like a design for these things, but when it comes down to these old structures and these steel structures that move independently of like wherever the theoretical design might be, you're building to what's actually there. So you have to like, 
you have to like, I have a guy with me that's telling me when the track is going to be lit up. And he said, even though this side shut down, he goes, there's always a chance that, you know, uh, current can travel somehow. So don't ever touch this other rail. And like, you know, you'll be, I'll be there. And depending on what time of year it is, but it could be freezing cold. I've been up there in the middle of winter time, been there in the middle of summer, like at three o'clock in the morning. And you're just exhausted because you'll be on these like 12, 14 hour shifts because the work can't stop until it's done. So you might start at like three or four in the afternoon and like that they, they will only close one rail at nighttime because it would just mess up the commute in the morning so bad. So at like, literally we would be like picking up tools off of the tracks. Like I'd be breaking down my instruments and stuff like that. And they're like, the train's coming right now, like stand aside. And you're like, you like skinny up against the rail and the train is like, <laughs> like flying by you. I've also been in like those kind of like half tunnels where the, you know, where they have those little indents in the side. Like those are so you can like duck in there when a train's coming. You know what I mean? That they're for like people to like, you know, there'll be like a flat wall and then you'll see an indentation on a wall. Like if you're going under like a tunnel or a bridge yeah, or like a, an underground passageway, those are so that you can skin, you, know, you can stand in there and you don't get hit by the train. You and I it's live a, yeah, very was, different lives, my friend. <laughs> yeah. We live very different lives. Yeah. That's, I mean, the whole thing moves like what, you know, and those bridges are so old. I had, I gotta, I gotta go through all my pictures I have. Cause I always used to take pictures and stuff like that when I was doing those jobs, there's like the plaques for the original installation dates of these, of these structures that are like, you're like, Holy cow. It's like, it gives you like a little history and nobody ever sees this plaque. It's the original <laughs> manufacturer's <laughs> plaque. That's like on this thing. And like, I'm probably the only one that even like took the time to look at it and read it, you know? Cause everybody's just like, you know, you're miserable, you're up there and it's just terrible, but like cool, like cool stuff like that. But, um, it, yeah, I know, like I always say, uh, you kind of like, you get used to, to working like that, but, uh, you don't realize how abnormal it is that <laughs> I forget about half the, half the stupid things I've, I've done, you know, work-wise anyway, but yeah, transit. I've also worked on the PACCO line. That's another interesting, uh, line servicing, uh, Southern suburbs, uh, for Philadelphia. Another weird, weird line. How so? Um, it's like independently operated. So no, um, no, like, Pen like Pennsylvania port authority doesn't, uh, port authority doesn't have any authority over Patco. Patco is its own, like privately owned, um, like transit line and like self-funded and everything like wow. that. Like and it serves profit. like all this. Yeah. It goes, comes through like, yeah, it comes out of Philly, comes through like Cherry Hill, Haddonfield, all those, like all those like little suburbs there. Great little, um, they're great little towns like kind of up north where you have a little community centers around the transit line and you know, it's very pedestrian and stuff like that. It's, it's, and it services all the Philly area. So we were down there during baseball season. So we had same thing. It's like, you're always usually wind up doing work on Sundays or like overnight on weekends because it's the least impactful, but we used to love it if there was a Phillies game because we knew there would just be like, tons and tons of like Philly, like Philly fans coming out smashed from the game. Like, you know, people passing out on the platforms and we're like, you know, <laughs> like standing there. And I, I'm a big people watcher and, and my job allows me to do that a lot. So I, I enjoy observing people's bizarre behavior, especially uh, surrounding public transport and, and how many people actually fall off the platform a lot. Like, it's just like people aren't paying attention. This is like not before cell phones, but People just don't fucking pay attention where they're standing. Like, how many people like stand there and they'll just like fall over? We'd be like, the guy I was working with, I was like, oh my God. I'm like, Chris, that person just fell off the platform. 
He's like, what are you going to do? Go help him? I was like, well, yeah. Like, what <laughs> <laughs> the fucking train? <laughs> I had, I was underneath the, I was underneath the Haddonfield, uh, uh, train station and there's like, it goes down and then you can go underneath the platform. Right. So I would go down there, uh, because there was no bathrooms up there and I would, I would pee in bottles and like, you know, leave it there because it was safe. So I'm down there one time and like, and like, as I'm down there peeing in this bottle and I see, I see somebody drop their bag and then they jump down and they squat down and they look at me and make contact with me while I'm like peeing in this bottle. I'm like, <laughs> he goes, Oh, uh, I'll wait till you're done. I was like, what? I was like, it's just like a common thing that people jump down off the platform and piss under there. Cause there's no bathroom. I don't know. It's just really, really strange. Wow. But yeah. A lot of weird stuff like that. Wow. <laughs> well, fellas, I think Sorry. this has been a stellar episode. We've breached an hour. So I oh want to go ahead and play. Yeah, this one flew by. Um, and it's actually, I would say it actually feels cathartic to express this stuff out loud after a <laughs> lifetime. And we didn't even get, I mean, like the amount of things I've seen on New Jersey transit trains, there's, there's a lot of stuff. The amount of just experiences where I fell asleep on a train and woke up in a town I'd never been, all sorts That's of stuff. I have some doozies that we didn't oh. <laughs> The con- the- when I was doing, when I almost got that job as a conductor for New Jersey Transit, I went to like the entire training program. I was like, oh, it's like a really good job, like blah, blah, blah. So I had to go on, I had to do like a rail test one day to like read these signals. And uh, I got to like hang out with the conductors. They're guys like super just awesome people on uh, New Jersey Transit. It's like a, it's a certain breed of, of individual that does that job. Um, very personable. But they said, um, they took certain enjoyment, even if they knew, like if you had your ticket in the seat and like they knew you were supposed to get off on like a certain thing, sometimes they would just like let somebody ride all the way to the end of the line and then wake them up. Just for humor. About- <laughs> yeah, just- <laughs> I'll go so far to say that um, that has always, for some reason that I can't put a finger on it, been a dream job of mine. I'm always like when I retire oh. from comedy or more likely when comedy breaks me and I no longer want to pursue this tenuous life. I've always thought that being on the NJ transit trains would be a dream job. I, I think I would have loved that. Oh, I, you would have been great worked, at it. Oh my God. I was like, I was really, uh, I was really excited about it and it was like, it paid really well. This was probably I don't know, around 2000 or so. Um, and I remember I was like, I kind of regretted it, but I think it was like six months later, something happened. I don't know if, I don't think it was nine 11. I can't remember what it was. Um, but they did this massive layoff of all these conductors. So I was like, Oh, thank God. I didn't take that fucking job, but it paid really good. I think it still pays pretty good. Like, I would work the concession booth. I would do anything, man. Would- yeah. You want to be a conductor. Cause like there's different, it's like a pretty good gig. And then those guys make a lot of money being flagmen on the side for overtime. So if there's any kind of construction work or they need somebody like to stand on the rails with you, like while you work, like that's those guys clean up pretty good, man. But it's the same thing. It's long, long Someday. shifts. And- my go- my hope is that this podcast explodes in popularity popularity to the point where we become royalty in New Jersey and I'm invited to be an honorary conductor who can ride the rails. Oh, it'd be awesome. Speaking of which, I thought- We'll just of, get you the uniform and we'll just go on the New Jersey Transit. Uh, you can per, you get like a, a hole puncher I wanna, and just walk up and down w- the aisles and punch people's tickets. I just want them to teach me how to read those little things because I have no idea how they read those hole punches. I've never understood oh, it. The best is hearing them when they catch somebody trying to scam them. Yeah. And they pretend like they don't, they don't know. It's like, 
I know what you're trying to do. And they'll be like, you can't, you can't use a transfer from the bus onto here because we know blah, blah, blah. And you're like, Oh, like they'll, they'll rip you a new one. They know everything, man. Yeah. They bought it. Someday, someday, (laughs) maybe we'll someday get to do an interview with a real live New Jersey train conductor. So everybody, if you've heard anything tonight, if you've reacting with horror glee, if you have your own stories about the path train or Penn station, Port Authority, whatever it may be, if you have perched on a bridge over the Hackensack River in the middle of the night while a train goes by, if you have jumped under a weird private train uh, station to pee and found a stranger down there doing the same, 973-780-4660. Leave a voicemail. It'll show up in one of our shows. That's 973-780-4660. And reminder, thank you to Lee Ryan for alerting us to the presence of chicken on the tracks. And we have to come together as a community to find the previous cut that was so I'm, I'm disturbing. I'm working on that this week. I'll make the call tomorrow. I apologize. I didn't. So for tonight's game, I thought of something that I think is really simple in a deceptive way. But when I explain it to you guys, I think you're going to actually laugh because it is <laughs> so annoying. It puts us at the mercy of the other two people. Oh, so great. you'll see that in our, in our private shared chat, I've left a link. And if you click on that link, it leads to a map of the NJ Transit system, the entire system. And what I am proposing to you, gents, is that I've called up a random number generator. Oh my gosh. On the internet. Look at that. And I set it to three. And (laughs) when you guys want, what we'll do is I'll run the random number generator. And whoever it lands on loses. And the other two each get to pick a station that that person has to visit in the same day. We Jesus. both have to be at the same station? So, you know, you'll go on the, you'll get on the train. Like, Nick, if you lose, you'll get on uh-huh. the train closest to your house. Okay. And I will, be able, I will have said, you got to be at this station at some point in that day. And Mike D will say, you also will have to get to this station at some point on that. Oh my trip. God. That's so just terrible. We're basically at your mercy. So like we could legitimately say, okay, you have to go to, Pen- that- you have to go to Pennsylvania and suffer in the same day. Like, we, could, we could really does have that you include, by the balls. Does that include the light rail system? Listen, let's ask no more questions and just see how cruel because we're all friends. We're all old friends. So it's either we take it easy on each other. Who knows? Maybe I'll turn around oh, and go, hey, on. go to this station. I know within walking distance, there's some great food. Yeah. Or, you're going to Mawa, motherfucker. Or maybe. Or, you're going to Port Jervis. <laughs> see, this is, I like that you immediately realize the fun of this game. So I've been, I've actually worked on the Port Jervis area. There's a turnaround up there. We did like the whole, um, whole survey of the Port Jervis uh, train station and maintenance yard. Anyway, weird side note. Sorry. I'm going to go ahead and... Uh, <laughs> it's in the middle of nowhere. I'm going to go ahead and share the random number generator so everybody can see... Oh my gosh, let's see. ...what I'm looking at. <clears throat> so what does it do? It picks one of us? We, ha- we all have a number associated we'll with us? We'll just each... Here's... I'll run the demonstration. We'll each pick a number. Okay. One to three. And then when I click start, it goes. And then when I click stop, <laughs> in this one, whoever was number two would have lost... Simple as that. 
So if I was number two, now all of a sudden Mike D gets to tell me to go to Lindy. Win, lose, or draw. You get to tell me to go to Brick Church or wherever you want to go. Does everybody have the map open? I've been on the I've been out to Peepack Gladstone it. area. I've been, I've been on, on that one a million there. times to visit our buddy. <clears throat> yeah. Right. That one's like a spur off of my current And line. the Morristown line. The Peepack Gladstone Morris- line is a jip though, because what actually happens is well, yeah. you ride the line. And then they make you get on a bus for part of it. And that makes me sad. Right. Because it's all shut down. <laughs> okay. So everybody's now perusing this thing with glee, deciding how cruel we want to be to our own oh, friends. God. Another interesting thing is I don't, I'm not certain what everybody else's like, closest train station is. I can assume Mike's because I know there's one named after your town. I don't know the closest one. Oh, for you? It's got to be like Morristown. I don't know. I'm not going to say out loud. I don't know uh, yours either. So anyway, why don't you guys I know where my my closest one, you want to know where I'm, uh, my closest would be Bayhead. Yours is Bayhead. My closest one is, my starting point is Morristown. Nick's is Bayhead. Um, Mike, I don't know if you want to say where yours is, but we know. We know. So we can base our- It's in Eastern Eastern New Jersey. Right. And that's why you hate Western New Jersey. (laughs) Damn right. Oh my god! Oh, I love if the cruelty of this game. It, right? Oh my it's god! Just, I'm just like thinking because I know where you guys live and where I'm going to send you. I was just going to say, if one of you motherfuckers makes me go to Egg Harbor City, I'm going to be so mad. So yeah, because that's mad. a whole other fucking disaster. It's kind of the most fun game we've ever played because it's well, just. Well. Whoever loses, how cruel are we going to be? So, Mike D, one to three. What number do you three. claim? Hit him with the three okay, piece. Bonaduce. I'll be number two. Okay, that makes me number one. First place loser. Let's be clear. Oh, and how do we want to do it? Do, ah, here's what, I lost already. Well, no, 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 no. Here's what <laughs> I here, say one. Here's a great question to ask. Do we want it to be that whatever it lands on, that's loser, or should it be that person's eliminated and last person standing? You know what I, I mean? So if it hits good. three, Mike D is Wait, safe. Wait, we're only going to do one round of this? We're doing okay. two rounds. That's what it is. Two if, ra- it should be best it, of three. If it hits... We have to do you're five safe. with three. No, people, no, no. Right? If it hits, you're safe, and then we reduce it down to two numbers. That's what we're doing. Okay. There's an interesting so whoever, observation though about this map that you've yeah, shared, yeah. which I didn't realize that yeah. all of the New Jersey train lines have weird little visual symbols that go with them. Like yeah. Morristown is oh, a, yeah, like, yeah, drum a drummer for some reason. <laughs> I love that. Montclair Booten line has a bird in flight. The Raritan Valley, for some strange reason, has the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, that one's weird. They just couldn't think of anything out there that was like important enough to put there, so they just stole Statue of Liberty. Weird. But the main line, what's that, a, a water wheel? Yeah, like an old water wheel. In Bergen County has Phragmites. It's weird, man. The North Jersey coastline has a body washing up on the shore. It's really strange. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway. If your number hits, you're safe. I'm number one. All right, come on. Next number two, Mike D's number three. Are you gentlemen ready for our first spin? Yeah, big money, no whammies. Come on. I'm gonna, come on, too. I'm going to start it in Bonaduce. You stay stop so that everybody knows there's no shenanigans okay. here. Okay, ready? Stop. Mike D is safe. Oh, you motherfucker. It. Of course, the guy who Son stumbles into the secret parties. Uh, <laughs> so it's now down to one and two, which Mike D, I think you should now do the honor. Yeah, you so got to do it. If it hits one... I'm safe. It's two. You're safe. Come on, two. Big money. Let's start the number generator. I'll stop it when Mike D says stop. 
Come on, big deuce. You're Stop. Oh. 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 Two yes. is so safe. Oh, you're so oh, fucked. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know where you're going. No, where are you making me go? Straight to hell, boy. <laughs> go straight to hell, boy. Welcome to Atlantic County. <laughs> no, 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 no. Where? Name a station. Welcome, welcome to beautiful Atlantic City. You're making me go all the way to the end of that line? Yeah, man, because you know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to go all the way oh, no. to the Northeast Corridor, take that all the way to Philly, <laughs> then you're going to have to go from Philly, and then you're going to have to ride oh, the Atlantic City line all the way to Atlantic City. That could possibly take you hours. at least four to six hours, probably. It looks like from Morristown, I would need to go to... <laughs> Yeah, you have to go all the way In, to... How do I even transfer to the red line? You would have to go to Secaucus Junction and then come back. And then oh, ride God. down to... Oh, no, unless you took that bypass through uh, through the path to Newark. That's what you'd have to do. You have to go to Orange Street, Washington Park. Is that it? And then oh, that's a bypass or Newark... God. No, Newark Broad Street. Newark Broad Street. Oh, and then you'd have God. to take the path to Newark Penn. And then from there, you'd have to take the Northeast Corridor to Trenton. I hate this. Then you'd have to take, you could take SEPTA or Amtrak to Philadelphia. And then from Philadelphia, you had to go all the way to Atlantic City. What's this spur from Trenton to Pennsylvania? That's the, uh, that's a light rail line there. That's the river line. Oh my God. Nick, that way you don't have to actually cross over. Yeah. What was the point of the game? What what did I send you to like uh, Maplewood or something? Get the fuck out of here. This is torture fest. One of the stops is Atlantic City. Mike D. Where else am I going? So... And I get to pick you, the I get to pick the other end of this, right? If you say Portrush, oh. I'll meet I'll meet you in Atlantic City. How about I'm, that? I'm going to do you one better, and I'm going to go with emotional cruelty, and I'm going to say that you have to go to the Princeton stop and not Princeton Junction. You have to take the dinky oh. to the actual Princeton shuttle. Oh. So, oh, what is? This? I've never even noticed. There's a thing called the, the dinky, dinky shuttle. Is so. It's like a bunch it's of a buses little, over there, right? You, so it used to be an actual tiny, super fancy train called the Princeton Dinky, and I don't know if they what still are you run this. Doing to me? But I think mainly it, you have to end up. You have to go from Atlantic City to Princeton all on the same day and experience that so emotional I, ride. Oh God! Yeah, so that at least that's on the way back. Hold on one second. I just want to check one thing. I just got to see one thing. If I start. Uh, and it's going to be expensive. <laughs> <laughs> and I take you can it put to in, Atlantic City Rail Terminal. They have that little thing on the New Jersey Transit site where you can put where you want to start, where you want to end. I'm doing it right now so I can yeah, see Yeah, and how it tells long. you everything. Let's just randomly say I'm starting at 10 a.m. tomorrow. <laughs> how long does it take to get from Morris down to Atlantic City? Oh my God! Oh, no. Wait. Oh no! I was about to say not that long, but it takes. I have to take it all the way into New York Penn Station. No, oh, really? No, you could probably finagle. And it. then it wants me to go. Oh no! I have to say train only. It's trying to get mm. me to go to Port Authority and get on a bus. Right, right, right. You don't want to go to Port Authority. <laughs> oh my oh, God! Come on. Make sure you eat something really bad before you go there. Oh my God, Nick! Like go to Jimmy Buffs right before you go there, and then just what I like, need. Have a blowout. Just what I need. Like old times, buddy. Atlantic City Realtor. Oh, okay, I'll have to plan it later because I don't. Yeah. I don't even know. It's going to be terrible either way. 
it, the day you do it, just I'll I'll make sure I'm not working or something. So if you get into crisis, I can come and rescue in a car or something. <laughs> <laughs> you understand that this makes you a bad person, right? I know. Well, come on. What, what, did you really think we were going to be nice to each other? You know, you would have sent me on some similar, like, terrible trip to, like, Port Jervis if I lost. Okay. 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 Well, listen, you can hear actual, actual anxiety and stress in my voice as we end this one. Okay. Pack a bag, bring lots of snacks with you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm going to announce the day I'm there. Maybe people can come ride the train with me or Ooh. something. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, 973-780-4660. Thanks for listening. Have a great night. We love you, Penn Station, even though it hurts. You're in our hearts forever. That's it, everybody. Again, we want your reactions. We want to hear about the other parts of the state, the other forms of transportation we haven't gotten to, all your crazy experiences. That's 973-780-4660. Let's do it up, okay? If you need me, I'll be at Rut's Hut. I don't even need meat anymore. I'll just be staring at those rippers and those grease, and that grease wishing I still ate meat. All right, everybody, remember, 973-780-4660. Check out the Patreon. See you next time.